0: We start today with the twenty-third psalm, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, In the presence of mine enemies thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever i ask you to please join me in prayer now lord god our father king of kings lord of lords ruler of heaven and earth blessed is your name i thank you lord and I give praise to you, for all that you've done for me in my life, for the guidance you've afforded me, the discernment you've given me, Lord. For the opportunities you've given me, Lord, for the warm bed and the roof over my head and the, the water and the food and all of it, Lord. I give you thanks, for this. I ask you to please. Uh, help those around me, Lord, and help them to have the same luxuries. Help my neighbors and help my fellow, man. Help everyone else, Lord. at least help help them have the same luxuries that i have been afforded lord please help those who are less fortunate than me please help those who do not have shelter who do not have food or water to get shelter and food and water lord please guide them spiritually as you've guided me and please continue to guide me spiritually lord towards your truth please be the light in this dark world not just for me but for everybody praise and thanks be to you lord god His kingdom is forever and eternal in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We start now today with a reading from the book of Romans, chapter 3, starting at verse 10. As, is, as it is written, sorry, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what uh, what things soever the law saith, it it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, as we come into Easter time now, uh, Easter Sunday, we remember and recognize the sacrifice of our Lord on the cross. We remember the great thing he did for us up there on that cross all those years ago but of course to properly remember and to properly understand why he did what he did we must well we must know why as i just said see the reason for jesus doing what he did on the cross was a disease because that's who jesus was he was a great physician a great doctor and he came to cure this disease Now, this disease, it's a horrible thing, and it's as old as humanity itself. It starts in the heart. It can affect anywhere, but it starts always in the heart, without fail, without exception. And from there, it moves. Now, it might move down to, say, the leg, and cause you to go somewhere you know you shouldn't go. Perhaps it'll move to your hand and your arm and cause you to do something, maybe to someone else, maybe to yourself. But it'll cause you to do something you know you shouldn't do. Maybe it'll move to your mouth and it'll cause you to say something you know you shouldn't say maybe it'll move to your eyes and it'll cause you to look places you know you should not look maybe it'll even move to your brain and cause you to think things you know you should not think this is a disease which we all suffer with and as I've said it goes back maybe not since the beginning of man if you believe in evolution like I do or maybe it does, I don't know i can't say but i do know that it is as old as the earliest documentation of man that being the book of genesis obviously the book of genesis might not be the oldest book in the world but it goes back to the start of god's journey with humanity when he elected adam and eve to be the priests or at least i believe from what i know of not just the english um translation but also of the original hebrew that god elected adam and eve of the people that were on the world or in the world to come and be priests in the garden And then, everything went great for a while. Everything was going great. But then, things started to change. You see, Eden was paradise, pretty much. It wasn't heaven, but it was the place on earth where earth and heaven met. There's no place like that on earth anymore, because of what's about to happen, what I'm about to describe. Because what I'm about to describe is that illness taking over. That illness, which is sin. See, sin, like I said, starts in the hash, because every sin starts with pride. Every sin starts with that belief that you are above God. You might not believe me, but think about it, it always does. From the biggest to the smallest sin. The adulterer thinks that because their marriage is not giving them fulfilment, that they can go off and have sex or whatever with pretty much anyone they want even though it goes against god's word in that moment their personal fulfillment is more important to them than god's will and god's word their personal fulfillment is number one in their lives at that moment and it's the same with every other sin when you think about it the same with every other sin and it was the same with the sin in the garden of eden which was of course to eat the fruit now, people don't know why the uh, tree was there. A lot of people get confused about why the tree was there. They think, okay, well, it was a sin. Sorry for your background, noise by the way, guys. There's nothing I can do about that. People think, well, if it's a sin to eat the fruit of this tree, why would God put the tree in the garden in the first place? My answer to the, uh, that question is this. The sin was not eating the fruit. The sin was the decision to eat the fruit before God wanted them to. I believe it's the sin was eating the fruit. The sin was eating the fruit when they wanted. It was the fruit of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil. Now, the world at this point was not an absolute amazing place all over as a lot of people think it was. It was not this amazing place where there was no strife, there was no sadness. But at the very least, the Garden of Eden was like that. There was no strife, there was no sadness. But humanity, or at least the two elected members of humanity that God had chosen, Adam and Eve, at this time, to be the priests in the Garden, to be the gardeners, at this time, God did not feel that they were ready for the knowledge that came with eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now looking back with hindsight we see that he was right you might not believe that he was right you might think oh no we, we were ready we, we've got things pretty much sorted out now let me let me use a simple um butterfly effect it's called this is where a small thing can lead to big consequences basically it's a simple progression of one thing to another and i'm going to use one of the things that happens as a result of the fall of man to show you why it was a bad idea to eat the first first of all just a bad idea because God said not to. That's pretty much the basis for a lot of what we believe is because God said so. So whether the consequences are good or bad or not, well they're always going to be bad, because the way to sin is death, obviously. But even if there was no consequences, when God says something we listen, that's how it should work. But just as a result of why we, or as an example, sorry, of why we should listen to God, let's look at the results of what happens when we don't. So, on the day that Adam and Eve ate the fruit, what was a stone? Simple. It was a small thing you'd find on the ground. Maybe you'd use it to make a path, maybe you use it to make something else, maybe you'd get a really big one and carve it into something. I don't know what they were used for at the time, but they were just sort of there. But then, after the fall, those stones became something else, they became weapons. You'd take a stone, you'd throw it at something to kill it. Maybe you were hunting, maybe it was another person. Now eventually, the stones became spears. That was the next thing in the line of progression. We started throwing spears. And then those spears, they became swords. They were no longer projectiles anymore. But then they went back to projectiles because after the sword came the trebuchet, or the catapult. Now after the catapult came the cannon. After the cannon came the gun. After the gun came the bomb. And then the bomb became so powerful, it could wipe out an entire city. There have been two instances in humanity's history, as far as I'm aware, where two separate cities have been wiped off the face of the earth completely. And both times were because of sin. The first time was Sodom and Gomorrah. Now these were two horrible places rife with sin. In the entirety of these two cities, in both of these cities, full of people, full to the brim of people, there was one family, Lot, his wife, and their children, who God thought were worthy of saving from what was coming from Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how bad these places were. And so he saves them from it, and then he destroys them. Because that's how bad the sin was. And then later on, now that's, that's an example of God's judgment over sin. Later on, during World War Two, the sin of man has led to wars. And now, this is one of the biggest wars. In fact, I think it might be the biggest war humanity has ever seen. So many millions of people are dead. You've got the Holocaust going on, there's all these different things happening. People want the war to end. And so, they get one of these, no, they get three of these powerful bombs. And they only get to drop two of them. That's something that a lot of people might not know. There was originally meant to be three bombs dropped in Japan, but Japan surrendered before America could drop the third one. Which means that humanity, but a lifetime ago at this stage, was at the stage where they could wipe three cities off the face of the earth in the span of about a week. They could do that. It was only two cities at the end of the day, which still, two cities too many. And we see here again, this thing of pride. Pride being the root of all sins. Pride being the thing where you say, I'm above God, I know best. Where God wiped out two cities, because of their sin. Humanity wanted to wipe out three, as a result of its own sin both times was as a a result of sin. And it was the sin of pride that led to it. It was people saying, I know best. It was people saying, I come first. It was people putting themselves above God rather than putting God first. When one person in a garden Said, I'm not waiting for God's time. I'm doing it in my time. I'm having this fruit now. I'm getting this knowledge now. When one person in the garden said, Why shouldn't I be like God? It led to four cities over time being wiped off the face of the earth. That's how serious sin is. That's what Christ died to save us from. I'm going... Going back to Christ's death, people, people, even when talking about Christ's death, pride can seep in. You hear it all the time. Jesus died because he believed that you deserved it. No, he didn't. That's not the message of the gospel. That's not the message of the Bible at all. Anyone can die for someone if they believe that person is worth dying for. That's not special. I could do that. Possibly. I don't know. I'm a coward. Maybe I could. Maybe I couldn't. But that's not special. Anyone can die for someone that deserves them to die for them, right? But so great was and is the love of Christ, the love of God. He died for the ones he loved, for the entirety of the planet, despite the fact that they did not deserve it. That's how loving God is. To die for someone that you believe deserves to die for someone that is worth dying for that's a loving act that's true but it has nothing on the love that has to go into dying for someone who doesn't deserve it who's not worth it that's what Christ did on the cross and we know as well when we look at Christ when we look at his time in the garden gets against He was terrified. Let's not pretend. Let's not act like he was some big stoic hero. He was clearly terrified. He was mortified. He knew what was coming. He knew he was going to be horribly abused for a day. Whipped and so on. For however long. A day or less or more. I don't know. Only to end off being nailed to a cross. And being left up there to die. And barely be able to breathe for about three hours. He knew all that was coming. He was so stressed out. He sweated blood. Now that's a real thing that can happen. It's a phenomenon. When you're so stressed out. I forget the name of it, um, but it's an observed thing. When you're extremely, extremely stressed out, it's possible on some occasion to sweat blood. That's what happened to Jesus. He was so incredibly stressed out. He was so incredibly terrified and afraid of what was coming. He sweat blood. That's how much stress he had in him. And in that moment of stress and despair and desperation, he was able to say, Lord your will be done not mine he said father your will be done not mine might be a better way of putting it than lord because of course jesus is god but god the son in this moment of agony despair desperation looked to god the father god looked to god and said your will be done not mine in this time of horrible desperation But humanity, in the best time and place in human history, the Garden of Eden, where heaven and earth met, said, God, my will be done, not yours. When Jesus was at his lowest point, it was God's will be done. When man was at his highest point, it was man's will be done. And again, we can see the love of Christ in, in, in him sweating blood. God humbled himself to the point of man. He lowered himself, degraded himself to the point of being a human, to the point where he was afflicted by things like this, by stress, by anxiety, by pain, by this medical phenomenon. He loved us so much, even though we don't deserve it. He loved us so much that he put himself in that position. A man... Man loves himself so much that he tries to push himself in the position of God. The difference is, when God humbles himself to man, he can do it because he's God and he can do anything. When man tries to exalt himself to God, he will only fail because he's man, he's flawed, he's weak. He cannot do it. We see this with the Tower of Babel. Man tried to make this monument to how great they were. They tried to make this amazing big thing to show, yes, we're the best. And God struck it down like it was nothing. Man has spent his history trying to exalt himself above God, only to face the consequences of it. It was man exalting himself above God that led to the problems of today. That led to the sin of today. To this great disease. This horrible disease that affects us all. It was man that killed God. Ultimately. Although, well, man killed Jesus, of course. He rose from the dead again. You must remember that. That's an important part of the Easter tradition as well. But man's sin. From taking of the fruit in the garden. To whatever on earth the last sin is going to be before the end of the universe all of those put christ on the cross but none of them none of those sins kept him there no nail made by man could keep christ on the cross no sin committed by man could keep christ on the cross nothing man could ever do could keep christ on that cross What kept Christ on the cross was love. Not because we deserved it, but despite the fact that we didn't. That's something we must understand about ourselves and about God. God does not love you for who you are. He loves you despite who you are. And that is what we remember on Easter. We remember how horrible we are and how amazing God is. We remember the great things he's done for us. We remember the horrible things we've done for ourselves while trying to be him. We remember that when we do things the way God wants, we can have paradise, we can have Eden, we can have all these different things. But when we do things the way we want, cities get wiped out. And sin is this... You remember I said it attacks the heart first that's an important part of sin and of course I speak metaphorically I speak metaphorically when I say the brain and the heart I really mean the intelligence which is represented by the brain and the personality which is represented by the heart and we know this from this is a a, a biblical um, metaphor when Jesus says it doesn't really matter what you eat because what you eat comes into you what matters is what you say because what you say comes out of you it comes from your heart what you say doesn't actually come from your heart in a biological or literal sense. But it comes from your heart because it comes from your personality. It comes from who you are and what you want and what you desire. And in that way it comes from the heart, metaphorically. So remember that when I say what I'm about to say. Sin does not attack the brain first. On purpose. It, it could, very easily. I mean, that's where, realistically speaking, that's where the consciousness is held. Right? But that's also where the intelligence is. Sin does not attack your intelligence first. Because your intelligence, if you know the gospel, will say, okay, let's look at this rationally. Let's use logic here. I could do this thing. But, sure, but you'll give me nothing good and it'll only give me damnation. Or, or, I could stay following God and get to heaven. So your logic would say, stick, follow, seek to following God. And so... The devil, he knows this, so he doesn't attack your brain with sin. He doesn't attack your mind with sin. Maybe he does eventually, but he starts somewhere else. He doesn't start in the brain, because if it starts in the brain, it'll end in the brain. He starts with the heart. Because that's who you are as a person, is your heart. That's where your desires are. That's where your wishes and your will is. He attacks the person. He attacks the personality, not the intelligence. And this is how we've seen so many amazing, clever people fall to sin. Look at Solomon. The wisest man who ever lived, the wisest man who ever lived, was an adulterer. He had many wives. It's polygamy, it's adultery, whatever you want to call it, it's sin. This great sin was such a defining feature. Two defining features of his life was his wisdom and his sin. Because while he was a man of an incredible intelligence, his heart was the same as everyone else's. If the sin had attacked his intelligence, it would have ended there and he would never have sinned. But it didn't attack his intelligence, it attacked his heart. And so he followed his heart's desires. He followed his heart. The heart is where sin comes from in our bodies, it's where it goes first, it's where it spreads out everywhere else. The heart gets corrupted first and then it corrupts everything else. And that is how we sin. It doesn't matter how smart you are, you're not an idiot because you fell to sin. Everyone falls to sin. It doesn't matter how smart or stupid you are, it's going to happen to you. Whether you like it or not, and it has happened to you. It doesn't mean you're an idiot, it means you're human. How ironic it is that in our search for knowledge, the knowledge we gained could not protect us from sin. We ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that knowledge has done nothing but damn us. That knowledge has led to some amazing things, sure. Human knowledge has led led to amazing technologies and wonders. Human knowledge led to the creation of the bulletproof shield to uh, protect us against guns, which human knowledge also created. Human knowledge led to the creation of, um, I don't know, (laughs) nuclear fallout shelters (laughs) to again protect from the nukes that human knowledge created. Human knowledge has helped us adapt in a world that fell because of human knowledge or humans pursuit of knowledge it's helped us adapt to the immediate worldly threats it has not in any way helped us fight off sin it can help us fight off the death here on earth it cannot help us fight off the second death and that is why sin is the greatest disease any disease can kill you here on earth, but none can cause you to go to hell. No disease on earth can damn you except sin. Sin, which has a disease, can lead to death on earth through things like murder. That's a sin. So sin, the disease, can certainly lead to things, to, to deaths on earth. But mainly it leads to the second death. Mainly it leads to damnation disease of our hearts can kill in both senses it can kill the body and it can kill the soul no other disease can do that and of course this is a disease which we gladly introduced into our own lives this is a disease that we didn't have to suffer from but we all do this is a disease that has led to so much pain and suffering it's a disease that begins in the heart it begins with pride pride is really the kicker pride is really the dammer. there pride made one person say why should I wait until God is ready for me to have this fruit and this knowledge, why shouldn't I have this knowledge now, why shouldn't I be above God now or equal to God now, why shouldn't I have this now I am more important than God in my life, therefore I put him first, one person, Eve taught that Eve believed in that moment she knew best, and not God, and so did Adam, when it came time for him to eat of the fruit and those, that one person, or those two people, however you want to look at it thinking for those few moments in time I want to be equal to God, I want to be greater I want to be number one has led to every war, every murder, every adult every adulterer every bit of adultery said to all of it that one simple act of defiance has led to everything else that's wrong with the world. That's how serious sin is. That is what God has saved us from. Don't get me wrong. I'm still a sinner. In fact, I'm probably worse than most of you. But I've been saved from the consequences of my sin. Because the consequence of sin is death. The wage of sin is death. But for me, that death, that wage has already been paid and It was paid on the cross. Ephesians two eight through nine says, "For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of works; it is a gift of God, and not of yourselves, any man should boast." That debt, that wage, that price of sin, it was paid on the cross by Christ for me, because of God's grace, and it was paid. What is it now? 2,000... No. 1,990 something years ago. If you believe that. Jesus literally died in the year 33 AD. Which he probably didn't. It's probably a miscalculation. Probably a few years off. I mean we're around the same time. Maybe we're just 2 or 3 years off. But it's very unlikely. We'll say 2,000 years ago. About 2,000 years ago. God made himself man. God who is above all brought himself down to the level of his most disobedient creation so he could save them because he loves them and he still loves them while we are still sinners Christ died for us and that is the message of the gospel It is one of the most important ones I don't like to claim that any one thing is the message of the gospel because there's so much in it that's important and that makes it up. But that is one of the most important things and we must remember it. We forget that, we forget the whole thing. Christ died for us because of his love, not because of anything we did. Or actually no, it was because of something we did. But that thing we did was sin. The thing we did made it so we were not worth dying for. It made it so we were not worthy of his sacrifice, and yet he did it anyway, because of his love. And that is what I want us all to remember going into this Easter. So I'll ask you now again to please join me in prayer. Lord God our Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Ruler of Heaven and Earth, Thank you Lord. For your sacrifice on the cross. All those years ago. For dying. For all of us. Though we did not deserve it. And though we do not deserve it. Though we rebel against you day after day. Though we mock you. And ignore you. Though we are horrible. We do not deserve what you did for us Lord. You did it anyway. Because that's how good you are Lord. That's. Because of your love. And your grace and your kindness, you died for us. Thank you, good Lord God. Praise and thanks be to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for uh, listening. I hope you enjoy your Easter and so on. I'll see you next Sunday, I suppose. Uh, God bless you all.